Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Maddie McD in the house. How are you, buddy? Dude, in the place to be. How's it going, man? Doing great. Uh, it's been a little while since we linked up and feels good to see you even via the screen. Oh, totally, totally. Well, there's. I know there's a chance we may see each other this weekend live, but that'll probably be so crazy. I'm glad we're able to knock something out right now and get back on the uh, get back on the horse in terms of the schedule. It seemed like I was out of pocket for a while, you know, like six weeks ago and just it was hard to get together to do something. And then you've had your own trip recently. So yeah, I guess some sort of self-imposed uh, hiatuses, which are not a bad thing at all. And yeah. uh, gives us a, a, a refreshed approach to stuff. And uh, we got lots to catch up on. Cool, man. I am. Uh, it's funny as we as we're talking here, I'm getting a string of text messages from uh, guest alum John Mosquito Boat. Um, today is we're recording basically on the, uh, I guess it, I I would think of the anniversary of the founding of, and I think oftentimes they say birthday, they use that terminology, but the birthday of the United States Marine Corps. So John is a Marine, twenty plus years, and I sent him a small thanks for coming on the pod with us and and happy birthday devil dog gift, which he got and is just now like sending some stuff. So John, if you're listening, hope you're doing good. Buy that Tudor FXD, dude. Re- it's recommended. And uh, yeah. Highly recommended. That's uh, I, I'll be curious to see. Well, let's just jump into it. What What's what's on the, we'll do a wrist check and, uh, and then we'll jump into some maybe small talk and, and catch up stuff. But uh, tell us what's on your, on your wrist and if anything's in the glass. Well, sure. Well, dude, I have, um, dude, it's been a, an unplanned embarrassment of riches in terms of like new watches and stuff like that over the past like five months. You know, a, about a year ago, basically, I I bought in as much as I, you know, made the arrangements and and paid for a Zen One Hundred Three, the TI that Diapal watch, and you know that finally came at the um, middle of the summer, uh, courtesy of our buddy Chase. Thank you, Chase. And I thought that was basically going to be it. But then the Tudor FXD arrived. I had to get that. That, you know, was like, okay, I'm doing that. That was a, you know, a quick draw kind of a thing. But something else I ordered a long time ago finally came in and I am now complete. You can see I'm kind of leaning in. I've got the uh, the Ren Spooner shirt on and I have the Momentum C-Quartz. This is sort of the the Magnum PI Vibe Challenge uh, accoutrement par excellence. I... You know, short of, I guess, actually having a an early 80s vintage GMT master. But this is kind of the other watch that he legitimately wore. And I had to pre-order this and it, it finally arrived here in October. And I've been wearing that quite a bit. So that's what's on the wrist. But the other thing is on the other wrist, bam, look at that. This is the, the other thing that was completely unplanned. But this is the Zodiac Super Seawolf 
Pineapple Dream Watch, the Ariel Adams, you know, a blog to watch, a blog to, yeah, I always want to say a blog to read, a blog to watch uh, collab. And so I've got this on the other wrist and I'm just going all the way with the island vibe, the the Magnum watch, the Ren Spooner shirt, and the the pineapple themed uh, green. And I'd say this is kind of a greenish yellow and it's just super bitching. And then in the glass, um, I have basically what amounts to a, a daiquiri soda. I just kept this super, super light because I'm going to be actually, you know, working with my hands and and working with tools and stuff after we're done. So this is a, what amounts to a virgin daiquiri with just like a half an ounce float of dark rum on top for the, uh, the nose and the mouthfeel and whatnot. But that's what's in the glass, man. How about you? What's on wrist? And I know you might be compromised for a drink today, so. Yeah, yeah. I, you can. We'll have to also get thoughts on the uh, on the sea quartz because I'm curious. I know you've been waiting for it for some time, and and I think you threw the super sea wolf on a tropic, which you were kind of stoked about. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I have not, um, I haven't had a proper tropic before, and this watch, and we can talk about this uh, maybe later. But this was not something I purchased. Right, we went to the the launch party for this. Um, you know, courtesy of our friends at Feldmar. And obviously Mike Pearson from Zodiac and Ariel, of course. So we went to this thing and as the kind of the culmination of the, the launch event, they had a, uh, a drawing and I won it, which is insane. So yeah, this was, you know, basically like a, a, probably the most valuable thing I've ever won. And I was tickled because it was one of those things where had I had either of these watches to wear to Hawaii on my trip, I definitely would have. And I was very much feeling a connection to this Zodiac drop because of the fact that, you know, Mike reached out to us while I was in Hawaii and he's like, Hey man, we need some help working the drinks angle, which you came through with. That was awesome with our buddies, Tequila Cabal. Yeah, that was fun. And, uh, yeah, so I was, I was just shocked to have won this thing. So it's fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm getting as much, uh, kind of enjoyment out of it while the weather's still good here in Southern California. And yeah, and it's on the tropic, all of which is to say it it's on the tropic that it came on, which is like a, a medium kind of dark green color. And as I said before, I've never had a proper tropic strap. So I like the idea of getting to, um, you know, get some experience with this thing. Cause I would easily put a tropic strap now on this sea quartz and any number of other watches that I have. It's a, it's a great piece of kit. Yeah, no, it looks great. I'm so so happy for you. I uh the the Cabal guys were a hit at the uh at the at the, the event. I think you you were able to to grab a bottle of the um a Salmiana Mezcal and, and our buddy LA Time grabbed one and um everybody really seemed to be, be enjoying uh you know the full lineup and then also the uh pineapple old fashioned that they put together for the uh featured cocktail. Yeah, absolutely. And for the listeners, just f- let's unpack the box on this because I think it uh, it bears talking about for a second. Um, well, I tell you what, do you want to do that or do you want to do your wrist check? Because I feel like we're going to keep talking and put off your wrist check. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, sure, we'll circle around. We got sort of, sure. you know, I guess a quote unquote main topic, but I think it's really just a collection of kind of small different things to talk about. Sure. Um, in the glass is nothing, just water today. I thought might actually be a first. Uh no, we did an early morning, maybe with, um, oh gosh, maybe with Dan might've been Dan, um, somebody definitely across the pond and, and, and it was literally like eight, eight, nine in the morning for us. And 
think I had a coffee. Otherwise, this this may be the second poor check that I'll quote unquote sit out. But um, still early-ish in the day for me. I have a couple things to do. And and quite frankly, I probably need to dry myself out a little bit. I'll get into why, but I've been having some fun uh, out and about on some travels. So nothing in the glass per se. On the wrist, though, is also what we would call a new watch alert. And this one's kind of neat. It's funny. It's it's kind of, I would not call it expensive by any stretch, but it uh, is is significant for, for what it is. This is a work anniversary. Um, no, they're not doing gold Seamasters anymore from what I gather. Uh, but I received sort of like this, uh, sort of like a third party affiliate who manages like a work anniversaries for, for the company. Sure. Yeah. I've gotten them before. And to be really honest, they're really on, 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 are not all that great. So I wasn't really expecting much. And, um, Lo and behold, there was some good stuff in there. I don't know if they changed the the vendor. And there was a couple of watches. So I was back channeling with our our group here. And there was one or two that were, quote unquote, the anniversary watch. And so, uh, but they were probably dated in design. They had to have been 10 or 15-year-old designs. Uh, One was a Caravelle, uh, black-coated, kind of colors of the the company and the company decal on the front. But in the description, they, they... made it clear that you, it would come engraved, right, to celebrate this work anniversary. So part of me was like, oh, man, this one's sort of unique for the quote-unquote anniversary, comes engraved. And then this other one, which I got, and I should probably just get into it, was sort of not, it was sort of a standard quote-unquote issue, standard issue, uh, you know, object. Um, but I thought, you know, we were talking with our friend, our buddy, you know, Mike Gavinia, and he said, you know, I, I don't love logos on the on the dial side anyway. This is a much cleaner, more classic design. So I thought to myself, okay, we'll grab this one and I'll just pop the case back off someday and engrave it myself. So all that to say, I ended up with this Bulova. Uh, I couldn't even tell you what the code on it is, A9208. Oh, no, here it is. 96A28. It's essentially sort of a mall watch Bulova. Um, but if you squint your eyes you know, just enough. I think you can sort of see a JLC master control date. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I saw the photos of it. You know, it it looks very much like something out of a JLC catalog. It really does. I mean, it's a very, it's a 38 millimeter quartz movement, um, 12369 sector dial, brushed center circle, uh, and sort of a, a, you know, a silk, uh, 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 polished outer circle, uh, all sort of silver on silver on silver. It's just really classy. I mean, at the end of the day, if you wore this watch, I think everybody would just say, Hey, that's a nice looking watch. Um, all stainless steel, not a signed crown, no big deal. Um, but what sort of is the saving grace here. And what I did not expect is it does have, in fact, the company, my name and years of service engraved on the back, which came directly from the uh, the vendor and that was pretty awesome. I was actually pretty pretty impressed by that. You know, in forty or fifty years, somebody's going to find that, like at a at a flea shop or something. Well, maybe well, let's say more like sixty years. You're still a pretty young, dude. You you could be alive in forty or fifty years, and it, that uh, the words of the wise men are going to ring truer than ever. Always read the case back. Always read the case back. You're right. That's our our buddy Cole. Uh, and of course it came on a pretty like janky, you know, leather embossed croc style, uh, strap, which 
uh, had to had to come off immediately. And it's, so it's on um, it's on Hovig's vegetable tan, uh, a navy. So the navy on the silver looks pretty sharp, tone on tone stitching. And uh, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm going to wear this a tremendous amount, but I'm really really stoked to have it. No, that's cool, man. That's one of those things where you know it, it's hard to get a watch for a watch person. You know, so it's it's always going to be hard to kind of satisfy all of your you know personal uh, like likings and requirements and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know that's reasonably and not in a bad way, reasonably generic, such that it it does actually look pretty good. <laughs> you know, some of these things can be pretty schlocky. That actually looks decent. And yeah, the exactly. Fact that, you know, the, you the- you earned it as a as an anniversary is a big deal. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, the other ones were were kind of garish, even though they were the like you know anniversary edition. So I'm pretty I'm pretty happy on it, man. I'm excited uh, to have it, and like you said, it's just sort of a really nice memento. It came in like a half decent presentation box with a you know sort of an embossed sticker, and it says on there you know 50, you know work anniversary and stuff. So overall, the presentation A plus. Good stuff, brother. Well, that's your so- uh, your wrist check done. Let's just kind of circle back on that while it's fresh. Again, this is the the Feldmar uh, Ariel Adams Zodiac launch event for this uh, the Pineapple Dream uh, Super Sea Wolf, and essentially, I think you know where we come into this. I mean, we did not organize the event, but um, Mike Pearson was kind enough to reach out and ask for some advice in LA. He's like, "Hey, I know you guys are kind of you know the uh, uh, spirit." and cocktail and, and, you know, restaurant guys in LA, in our, in the watch community, can you help me find a, you know, a, a partner basically to, to pour drinks and stuff. And that was where you came up with a tequila cabal, man, that that's perfect. Cause they wanted to just not just have somebody pouring drinks the way you would at a typical get together at an AD, you know, IE here's a, a flight of Japanese whiskey or as cool as that is. But they also wanted to have somebody who'd come with a, you know, a, a particular type of spirit that would be workable for like a signature cocktail involving pineapple. And they did. Can you describe that old fashioned that they did? Yeah, for sure. And then um, it was a they batched up, you know, basically what I would amount to uh, a reposado, uh, a tequila old fashioned made with reposado and uh, and 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 pineapple. So you, you ended up basically with a pineapple tequila old fashioned. And I, I talked to, to the guys afterward and, and they said they, they hardly ever cash out their, their batch cocktails at one of these things. Cause they make a lot of it. And they said, they said everybody drank them dry, which they were obviously excited by and they were glad to, to share it with folks. And then they had their full lineup of uh Blanco through extra Añejo, all the way through the, the big boy, uh, the expensive one. And I think they were mostly pouring the Blanco, Reposado, and, and Añejo for folks. And then if you were sort of asked or if you're having a fun conversation, they probably poured the the extra Añejo for for them too. If you haven't, um, go back to episode 36. We actually, uh, Matt, you were away actually, but right. we brought Everardo and Dustin onto the pod and talked all about uh, Tequila Cabal. Um, so that's a cool refresher or if you want to dive a little deeper into what they're about and how they brought the company to to where it is today. Yeah, cool dudes. And they definitely seem to think, or I think they got more action from, you know, the, the crowd than any other sort of spirits or or bar partner 
Feldmar has what amounts to a full size bar in uh, in kind of more the luxury side, and you know for people who've never been there, so it really you know a, a some kind of a a booze vendor partner for these events can just you know walk right in and it's a turnkey setup. They bring their stuff and the bar is available. It did a great job. It was really cool. Yeah, they really did. And, and ironically, um, Everardo has become sort of a watch guy over the last probably like two years. So him and I will go back and forth on things that he's really interested in. He's super into it now. He's like consuming all kinds of content and always on the lookout for the next watch. So he's he's basically, you know, Wiss at this point. And Dustin, a little bit less so, but he had gone into Feldmar maybe about a year and change ago and had them uh, service uh, what I believe is his grandfather's watch. So he went in there for service just off a whim. I think he may have asked me for a recommendation. I, I may have sent him over there. And uh, and he really enjoyed meeting those guys, uh, the Feldmar team. And there's a bottle of Cabal on the Feldmar back bar. So for all you tequila fans in the LA area who are also Feldmar fans, go in there and uh, and maybe enjoy a pour because I think that bottle is not as low as it should be. Yeah, that's super cool to see that actually because it's such a distinctive bottle. And when I saw that at one point, I don't know, we it might have even been on a trip that you and I had made, you know, going yeah. in there and seeing that bottle, I was like, "Hey, man, that's uh, that looks very familiar." Yeah, super yeah, exactly. cool. Yeah, but that was a great event, awesome event, um, really fun for you know Mike to ask you know for for our very minor input and help, but uh, Ariel and Zodiac and Mike and Feldmark, they just put on a great event, great time. It's always fun to see, you know, a few of the, the, the familiar faces and, and meet a few new ones. Watch is super cool. I think it was really well received. A bunch of people bought it that evening, walked out of the store with it on their wrist. And, um, you know, Zodiac continues to hit them out of the park. Yeah, totally. They're doing a great job. Mike, I think, uh, well, Mike is such a great face for that brand as he is pretty much for any brand he's worked with. But, you know, uh, I think most people know him from a long stint with Bremont, but he's doing amazing things at uh, at Zodiac. I know, as you said, um, a number of people bought these things. I think they also did like a simultaneous eBay auction. It yeah. seemed to be pretty eBay successful. watches was like a part of the launch in some yeah. way. And then uh, I I saw a few people buy some of the other, you know, uh, frankly, some of the other cooler kind of fancier pieces. I saw somebody bought one of those, the Seacron. And oh. yeah, 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 yeah. The, um, I never did get his name, but the guy, I, I want to say he had an Australian accent. Uh, he was looking at that as like a, a really cool kind of alternative to, you know, some of these other bigger names. He's like, no, this is just in terms of design. It looks fantastic and it's very wearable and the specs are great. So let's do it. And yeah, that's awesome. Wrap that thing up. So it was cool. Yeah. As it typically goes with Feldmar, everybody sort of congregates, you know, on the far side where the bar is and where the setup is for the featured event. But very quickly, people start filtering throughout the entire store. You know, they're going yeah. over to IWC and they're going over to Omega and they're going over, you know, to, to everywhere. And so that's cool. That's really neat to hear. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I do think that they, they're able to showcase any number of brands when they have these events, no matter who or what the, uh, the brand is or the occasion is. I, I want to say maybe a year or two ago, we were at a Seiko event. We saw one of our friends, uh, Zeke's Big Master Addict, was you know kept wandering over, gravitating over to the IWC boutique in the store. Two or three weeks later, he's got that Big Pilot Forty Three on. I was like, oh, I knew you were going to do that, man. Yeah, that's great, man. That's I love that. Cool. Yeah, that was fun. that was fun. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, some catch-up. You had an awesome trip, which we recapped uh, a few weeks back uh, to Hawaii, to Kauai. And the other reason, the other, like as you mentioned earlier, the reason we didn't connect for oh, the last week or two was I was away. And we had known that ahead of time, of course, and we just uh, you know, took that opportunity to, to step aside. But I just got back just actually probably only a few days ago from uh, the Dominican Republic. We were in Punta Cana for about six days for a family destination wedding. And uh, man, it was fun. So I've never been to uh, Dominican Republic at all. Kind of tell me about the, you know, the whole vibe there, the experience. What uh, what does it compare to? What does it compare to? Um, I would, you know, okay. So you and I were talking offline when I got back, um, and so I have two perspectives on it. I don't feel like I really uh, got a chance to understand the island very well. We went directly to a resort about 40 minutes from the airport and uh, the resort was on the beach and was inclusive and it felt very much like you could have picked that resort up and plopped it in Puerto Vallarta or, you know, in Puerto Rico or any number of sort of tropical uh, places, international tropical places. That being said, you know, you got a chance to interact with, you know, serve, uh, you know, staff and, and service and, and, uh, local, you know, um, shopkeepers and stuff. So you got a chance to learn a little bit about, you know, how the people are. Um, it's a beautiful Island. It, it, it's far, man. I did not realize really quite how far we were going, especially from the West coast. Um, I mean, you, you, you know, it shares an Island, you know, the Island is, is Haiti and, and, and the Dominican. And I think really the next stop beyond that is sort of Puerto Rico. And then I think, you know, and then maybe a, a small number of islands, which I wasn't familiar with, but are, I don't really tourist destinations. And then you're basically in South America. It was, it was a good hike, man. And, um, the people were amazing, uh, tons of English, you know, obviously if you could, you know, leverage some of your Espanol, then that was kind of fun and helpful too. Um, but it was really easy to communicate with folks, um, incredible energy, incredible hospitality. And, um, you know, we were really glad to to see that, you know, that part of the Caribbean, which we hadn't been to. And, and quite frankly, I don't know if we'll go back to just given how far it is and, and sort of, you know, how uh, how many other places we do would like to go to. But um, I think there's a certain number of different beaches around the island. I've heard there's a white sand beach and some other, you know, kind of hot like Hawaii, if you find yourself at different beaches. Ours was a pretty standard beach, but um, water was amazing. I mean, I, I didn't check the water temperature. It had to have been in the mid to high 70s the high every day was in the nineties still and overnight lows were 77. So, I mean, it was hot, awesome, fun, relaxing. Um, we don't typically do the all inclusive, the resort style thing. we like to go sort of find our own way, whether it's an Airbnb or even a hotel, but then sort of pick and choose a la carte. And, uh, this is just sort of the wedding, you know, destination was set up this way, which is pretty typical. So on one perspective, it was really fun. It was super easy. You just got there, you put your stuff down, and outside of maybe a few, um, you know, perks or, or maybe extra, uh, things you sort of just did what you do. You wake up, you eat, you, you find your party, you hang out for a little while, you drink, you go to the pool, you drink more, you eat to get rinse, wash, repeat. Um, so that perspective is really nice. Cause I, I didn't really have to plan a lot. I'm, I'm the planner for the vacation. I think you are as well. Totally. Um, I, but from the flip side, I also didn't do enough research on the island and the people. I didn't really know where stuff was. Not that it really mattered. I didn't go anywhere. Um, so the research aspect of it wasn't there, which was both a pro and a con. Um, the resort food, not good. 
not good. And this isn't a knock on all, all inclusives and, and, um, you know, but I, I think in general, the small experience I have with it, you and I were talking, I just don't think they have to work super hard at the food and beverage menu to keep you there because you don't really have any options. You're not going to go to the five, you know, the, the, the great restaurant next door or the local suggested restaurant down the road. Yeah. You've all inclusive means you've already paid. So, you've already yeah. paid. Yeah. You're totally invested. And, and, part of the beauty of it is that you don't got you don't have to go anywhere you don't have to go make reservations and jump in the cab and this and that so but i think you really sacrificed on the food particularly in, in this one and this is probably the second or third time where i've just felt where the food was very mediocre at best and borderline not good and i've heard this about other spots in the dominican as well not just this resort but i mean it, it takes nothing away from the service and the people i mean they're working hard man they're working hard they're making your stay really fantastic i just i just don't think the food and beverage menu has to really they're not trying to knock your socks off. On I that can imagine. Well, let me ask you. I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but uh, what is sort of the the spirit of choice in the DR? I'm assuming it's rum. Rum, rum, and more rum. Um, they have uh, basically one domestic beer brand, uh, which is pretty much found everywhere. If you ask for a cerveza, it's a it's an El Presidente. You know, kind of like a very you know light lager. It was okay. It's decent. I would say I would rate it more like in the sort of, you know, Bud Miller Coors Light kind of vein. Okay. Um, yeah, but they would carry, you know, hot some, weather at the beach. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Totally fine. But rum, 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 rum. And, uh, and then they have a local spirit called, uh, Mama Juana, which is actually, you, you might be interested in this. It is interesting. I would not, I, I wouldn't really revisit it unless for just sort of novelty sake or, or sort of to reminisce, but it was, it's a mixture of rum red wine, and then like spices, like an allspice or like a cinnamon. Okay. Um, that all, they all, they basically throw it together in a bottle and let it sort of just, you know, come together. Um, I don't think they really mix, uh, uh, take shots of it. We did. Cause I was just curious, like what the base flavor tasted like, but I think they'll then add it back into another spirit. So it's sort of like a, a very local, uh, you know, liqueur kind of combination. Interesting. It almost sounds like it's kind of like a a proto sangria. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably the best way minus, to put minus it. Minus the so, fruit element, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but uh, you know, just a great time. The wedding was super fun, um, and uh, everybody had a blast. Travel was long, but you know, doable. Watched a bunch of movies. Caught the Batman. Caught the new Indiana Jones. Caught John. What did you think 4. of that? The Indiana Jones. Did you see it yet? I did see it. I was, I've, I'm a, a very much a fan of the franchise. Um, so I felt like I had to see it. I expected it to kind of suck and I was pleasantly surprised, especially with the ending. Yeah. I, I would say the same. I didn't, I don't know if I expected it. Maybe I did it sort of expect, I don't know if I expected it to suck. I definitely expected it to fall flat just given the time distance from the last one and just where everybody is in their lifetime now. And um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was very much in the spirit. I thought it was fresh to some degree. It was it was a fun watch. If if you haven't seen, if somebody hasn't seen it, and you're a fan of in, you know Indiana Jones, uh, definitely go 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 take a look. You'll like it. I think. Yeah, I mean, especially if you if you like the first three and then hated the fourth because the fourth was yeah. pretty. I thought the fourth was pretty weak. Mm -hmm. um, then go see this fifth one. Because it will sort of, you know, redeem your faith. It will. I think it will. And it's just, it's a fun, easy, you know, classic style for for that. The Batman was cool. It was super long. I was like, that must have been like a three-hour movie. Um, Robert, Robert, Robert Pattinson did a decent job as Batman. 
it was it's a pretty dark one, you know, very much in the in the in the Nolan vein. Obviously, different sort of cinematically and, and from a you know a director's perspective, being a, a different director, but in that vein where it's very dark, you know, for the longest time growing up, Batman was always sort of a fun, whimsical uh, movie style, you know, from the Michael Keaton's all the way through all the other ones, you know, whether you hate them or love them. This one was dark again, um, but really good and really long. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I've I kind of lost interest in the Batmans after uh, probably after the Michael Keatons. Well, you know, they, those were the I, those are probably the weakest set. You know, they were they're sort of interesting, I guess. You know, because you have interesting performances from Jim Carrey and Arnold Schwartz, Danny DeVito, but they're they're just they're weak. And then, have you seen the Christopher Nolan trilogy? No, man. I, I, if, if you're if you're a fan of Nolan, you definitely want to watch them. But Which I kind of am, so maybe I would. They're very. I think they're very good. You have to give that a look. Then maybe at some yeah. point. You know, kind of yeah. decide to decide to like it. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, so that's it, man. That's maybe why I'm drying out a little bit. I uh, I gave it a good, I gave it a good, uh, a good go at the resort. Had an awesome time. You know, finished off uh, the last night with a like a private dinner on the beach table on the, in the sand. Just you know, uh, me and my wife, and uh, and that was an awesome way to to sort of you know put a ribbon on that trip and get back into real life and. And uh, we're back at it now. Then life doesn't wait for you. We came back to a whole bunch of stuff to take care of, <laughs> which I'll tell you offline. But it's all good. Right on, dude. Well, it's good to have you back. Um, I had some ideas for some potential solo episodes. Nothing nothing has panned out yet, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll keep those going. Um, oh, and for you- those who care or don't care, I brought with me the Railmaster. Um, I mean, you oh, can't yeah. go wrong, sort of an all-around on, on the bracelet. Um 150 meters water resistance. I was joking with Chase beforehand. I said, dude, I haven't even taken the Railmaster in 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 the water since he helped me get it serviced about two years ago almost. And so in true like Aqua Terra fashion, man, that thing was in the pool, in the ocean, you know, at meals, at, you know, walking around the resort. Um, so he joked around, he called it the Caribbean Master. Um, and it served uh it served its purpose. And I brought uh I actually brought my great grandfather's uh gold Hamilton Seabreeze too, because uh my my cousin who got married, it's also her great grandfather. And so that was kind of neat to, to bring that into the fold for wearing it at the wedding, which I did for my sister's wedding over the summer too. Cause it's that side of the family. So oh, that's a great, that. a great connection. What a good idea. And sorry, yeah. I didn't think to ask you about your watch, man. That's like usually the first thing anybody asks, what watch do you wear? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. Cause I didn't, we didn't really talk about it beforehand. Um, you know, sometimes we go back and forth, Hey, what are you going to bring? What are you not going to bring? So Right on. Well, hey, man, that's a good debrief. Do you want to kind of jump into our main topic? Yeah, we were chatting with uh, some of the some of the other um, pods and and, and friends on this. And uh, I I hadn't seen it until you brought it to my attention, but figured it was worth mentioning and just seeing what your thoughts are on it. But um, I wrote down, you know, has the music stopped and watch media slash content as it relates to growth? You know, and and what I think spurred this was, I if we understood correctly, there was a large number of layoffs at at sort of the largest uh, outlet. Yeah, I mean, it's um, there's not much in terms of information. I mean, I I hadn't heard about it in advance. Not that I would, and I'm not sure that many other people did either. But it just if you were paying attention yesterday stuff just started bubbling up, you know, that, uh, more people had been laid off at, 
at the Hodinkee Enterprise. And I'm not sure. And I say Hodinkee, you know, kind of the all-encompassing entity. So, I mean, there's the the people-facing website, blog, whatever. Then, you know, they have their own sort of internal store. And then there's also, you know, the like content creation and uh, I think, you know, like a consultancy. And also, you know, what is, I think, known to most people as Crown & Caliber, it was a pretty big round of layoffs about two months ago there from, you know, what we had heard, what we had seen. And so when I started doing a little bit of research yesterday, I could not find anything to indicate that anything had happened yesterday, but people from the inside, you know, were putting their hands up and saying, yeah, I'm, it affected me. I'm out. And, you know, there are some people who, if you, if you pay attention in the hobby names that, you know, I'm not going to drop names, but you know, um, people you'd probably recognize and, this is, you know, basically the second fairly big uh, reduction, I think. And again, this is purely speculative. You know, we haven't seen the numbers or anything like that. Nobody's come out and said anything, which to me is kind of, I mean, I think that's kind of bullshit is what I, that, that's kind of my take. Like, I mean, if you're, if the principles and the the people facing entities and we know who those names are, aren't saying anything about it, um, that's kind of lame. I mean, I, I realize you don't have to air the company's dirty laundry or get into the specifics of what's driving things or, you know, lay out, you know, whatever the plan is with, you know, cutting a bunch of, uh, a bunch of headcount and getting rid of FTEs left and right. But that's, to me, that's not a good look. Greg, your audio. I think you make a good point because especially there as it relates go. to um, uh, sort of the watch content space, there's obviously the umbrella and the parent company, right? It's Hodinkee content, right? When they're paying somebody or, or you know, whomever, Warner Wound, et cetera, they're paying somebody to write the content. It's now owned by the company. I, I get that. But so much of it seems to be driven by personalities and in individuals, right? There's people that have a favorite writer. There's people that have a favorite, um, you know, uh, segment. And that's typically driven by maybe one or two people or a team of people, but there's usually a face to it. So I guess all this to say, you're making an interesting point because so many, I think a lot of, you know, uh, readers of this stuff, you know, they, they associate the, you know, the, the, the content or the writing to one particular person or to a series of people. And if they're sort of out of the picture and nobody really says nothing about it, it does seem a little weird. It's not like, it's not like a big, large company, you know, lays off 10,000 people and, and nobody knows who the hell those people are, right? Except for maybe, you know, whoever has, you know, relationships in and outside, you know, vendors and, you know, uh, peers at other, you know, uh, uh, other organizations that they work with. Like, I don't want to say faceless, but it's, you know, to Joe Q public, it's, it seems rather faceless with this because there's sort of an interaction, you know, whether it's, you know, through direct commenting on the article or you follow that particular writer or this this content producer, they also probably post it into their social media and you're interacting there. There's a little bit more of a quote unquote relationship or you think, you know, who the, you know, the people are. And then all of a sudden if they're not there, you're like, Oh, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. And I think you're right. You know, the, um, a lot of the value of the content, especially the written content, the value add does come from the individual writer. You know, they're not widgets. Now I don't think, I don't think the writership over there got, slashed much. I don't think, I don't know. It didn't look like, you know, at the end of the day, there was some new stuff up and it, you know, bylines of people that you'd hope didn't lose their job were st still there. 
Um, I don't know if that necessarily means anything or not. You know, I mean, there may be big surprises this weekend or next week as more more sort of news bubbles out. But again, this is all speculative. But you know, to your bigger point, asking the question is: Has the music stopped? I mean, is I, I don't think the popularity of watches is going to slow down, but I mean, the there does seem to be a contraction underway in terms of like the amount of spend that different entities can engage in can engage in to you know generate revenue, and you know people like you and me are on the on the consumer side of things, but there's you know plenty of entities out there that are either you know creating generating revenue by creating content or selling stuff. And it's interesting to see if there's going to be much room for, you know, new content creators, new platforms when, you know, frankly, people are maybe not clicking the clickbaity titles as much, uh, you know, Rolex versus, you know, fill in the blank. Um, but whatever drives search engine optimization or whatever, not a lot of people are, you know, making big, quick bucks the way they were back in, uh, in the pandemic era. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, it's it sort of, I wonder too, you see a lot of, you've seen a lot of this in tech over the last probably six to 12 months too. Um, you know, when these, co- when companies are scaling up and there's, you know, cash is, flo- you know, flowing and rates are low and, and sort of, you know, capital is pretty cheap. You know, it, it might also just be possible that sometimes these places are just, they're just too big, you know, and, and, and they're sort of, you know, having to find themselves trying to trim down a little bit. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't think it's reflective of watch enthusiasm in general. I continue to find new people coming into the space as, you know, as kind of heavily as, as we are and, and folks listening to a podcast about watches are, but also even just more sort of surface level, but you know, Hey, I, I want to get a, a great watch now, or I want one good watch, you know, uh, at this point in my life, or I heard about, you know, this X, Y, Z new thing that came out or swatch moon swatch Blanc pond 51 fathoms, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there's the enthusiasm I still think is through the roof and probably still climbing. I don't think it's really leveling off. Maybe with the, you know, the, the way the, 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 you know, world economy is, maybe people are potentially, you know, scaling down their, their own personal spends. That's possible too. Uh, but it looks like the numbers on watch industry are, are continuing to climb. Um, but I just wonder if it's almost like tech where like, Hey, you know, as you were scaling up, times were good. Capital was cheap. You got a lot of people around and, and maybe now we just, they're, they're finding themselves having to sort of, you know, get on a diet. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I don't know. And it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, we, it, it's easy to pick on Hodinkee cause they're the most visible and, and obviously they're the ones that are, are going through layoffs in the, in like the watch meets tech space, um, both, you know, in September and then again, presumably this week. Um, it's hard to get uh, wrap my head around what's going on there though. Cause there's so much with that enterprise below the surface, you know, or behind the closed door, whatever metaphor you want to use. But you know, there's different things that presumably, like you said, they either scaled up to try to do, or we're going to plan. They're planning on scaling up to do, um, you know, we've talked to some people about, you know, the, 
like the the media content creation consultancy that's my word i don't know what the technical term is you know that's on goes on at the back end there um if that just didn't pan out or if you know they've got too many people you know on the tech side of things but as you say you know everything's more there's inflationary pressures everywhere i think uh not as many people are buying the you know the hype pieces the inflated you know, prices are, are turning people off. I think there's an actual backlash too at this point, right? I mean, there's, even if things were better financially across the economy, I think there's a lot of people who are like, eh, I can only maintain my excitement over a hundred percent markup on a, a previously like plain Jane Rolex steel sports model. Like the idea that a, a, a normal GMT master goes for like 20 grand in the secondary market. Yeah, I just i I can only read so much content about that. Well, that's a great point, you know. And I think it's yeah, become sort of ho hum, right? Okay, here's a new blah blah blah. Yeah, um, you know, they're they're sending the, the price per unit continues to climb. And and to your point, I don't, you know, maybe a lot of folks, you know, ourselves included, aren't really seeing the the value add there, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that's a great point, and it does give you. I guess that point you just made, it gives you extra appreciation for folks, you know, and we'll call out like a, maybe a Fratello who, when you go on there, you're going to find some of the same press releases, of course, but you're also going to find, you know, a whole set of articles or, or research or some scholarship or conversation about things that are quite frankly, topics we would talk about together or on the podcast or whatever. And so the click throughs maybe on that, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I'm not trying to compare, you know, viewership, but, um, in terms of content itself, yeah, it's a it seems to be a stark difference between sort of the run of the mill PR releases and, and sort of big brand coverage and, and sort of the more esoteric and maybe collector driven conversations. Hundred percent. So, I guess as we just come all the way around the circle to it's just being sort of speculative, and we'll kind of see how it how it goes. But it maybe it's just a case of, you know too big, too fast, too big for their britches, trying to do other things. Um, you know, too many good ideas at some point, uh, there's this expression, um, the gackle or how is it? I'm trying to think of, uh, yeah. Okay. So it's the good idea cutoff line. How about that? You know, and I like it. it. It's the point at which the good idea fairy needs to just sit down and, in, in an enterprise at some point, maybe they passed that line a while ago. Cause I mean, I don't see, and I don't, granted, I'm not as intimately familiar with the content on a day to day, but I don't see this kind of thing happening at, let's say worn and wound or a blog to watch or, or time and tide. Um, certainly doesn't seem to be a problem at Fratello. You know, we, we like those guys, uh, full disclosure. Um, but yeah, uh, the dinky, maybe not so much if, if they just tried to do too much. Yeah. And Hey, you know what? I'm sure they're doing, you know, the company has had a meteoric rise, I think obviously. And, um, you know, doesn't pretend what their future is, uh, you know, for Christ's sake, Meta just laid off like <laughs> a couple ten thousands of people and increased their revenues over the previous quarter. So, you know, sometimes you just got to reconfigure, recenter yourself. But, but yeah. to your point earlier, what I thought was a transition point was I still don't think that watch enthusiasm is decreasing. And in fact, I think it's, it's as high as ever. And you and I were just talking about, we almost have had 
too many awesome, cool, engaging opportunities locally that we can't even get to all of them that just continue to highlight just, you know, how many different corners of, of watch collecting and watch, you know, sort of this watch space that you can be involved in. Um, man, there's been like, it feels like week after week, there's been something really cool going on all over Southern California. Yeah, definitely. We're kind of spoiled for choice. I mean, in lately it's actually, as you say, it's, it's been literally too much. Like I, there's, you know, the events are coming fast and furious. Um, I had to unfortunately, uh, decline an invite for a brand that, you know, that I really like, and that's Bremont. They were here in Los Angeles with Laird Hamilton. And that would have been pretty bitching actually. Also at Feldmar, by the way, call Feldmar if you guys need any, uh, anything from Bremont, but I would have loved to have gone to that. And there's just no way I could do that and intersect, you know, the notice driven event this weekend and still get my work done and my honey do list, you know, made some progress on that and spend time with the fam. So, you know, you're right. I mean, I think there's still definitely things to do and the enthusiasms out there. And I wonder if maybe this is a result of some of these brands not really participating in the, in the huge industry, like extravaganza, uh, you know, um, events like, you know, uh, Basel world and, and whatnot, obviously that's gone, but you know what I mean? There's all these different ones, yeah. right? Geneva watch days and stuff. So people are more out in the hinterlands talking to people and meeting real, you know, watch enthusiasts and consumers. And maybe that's a, a result of that, that whole thing too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I missed a few things. There was some stuff with Longines, Grand Seiko, um, all kinds of stuff, you know, in the last few weeks. And I'm sure there'll be more, not to mention just sort of the ongoing, uh, watch get togethers, you know, through the, uh, the, the collector groups like Chrono Group and, and others. So, I mean, to all that to sort of wrap, uh, wrap this quote unquote segment up is who knows, you know, whether sort of the content and, and media space, you know, has reached maybe a saturation point, or maybe there's just a pivot there, or, or maybe it's just, you know, gotten too bloated or, uh, you know, but of course we all appreciate the content. Um, uh, but at the same point, you know, I think enthusiasm is as high as ever engagement, you know, community, uh, which we're, you know, super excited about, of course. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, we sort of have joked around about it, you know, uh, having, seeing our own, you know, engagement and the traction of this, you know, tiny little podcast in this tiny little corner of the, the Wissoverse. Um, but I mean, we've probably, you know, double or tripled the listenership over the past year. And so people are, they're definitely out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, how long we've we been doing this now? Two and a half years. Yeah, man, this is going to be, you know, we're pushing 80 episodes. I mean, we do an episode every other week, you know, uh, other pods are typically weekly and in some cases even twice a week. Uh, we, you know, we can't maintain that pace, but I think those are more, you know, professional type of uh, podcast, but yeah, we've, We've got quite a few episodes under the belt. It is hard to believe. Thanks to yeah. everybody, by the way, who listens. Like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> smash, <clears throat> smash that like button. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, agreed. I, I I agree with that. No, it just uh, it just struck me as you were saying that that you know it's still interesting enough to us to to keep you know doing this and 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 having fun conversations with each other and with others and anyway, it's pretty interesting. So totally. Well, yeah, maybe we can put that topic to bed and you know, move on. Do you have any kind of anything else you want to talk about or do you want to get into recommendations? Let's, uh, let's hit our recommendations, keep it short and sweeter this time around and, and, and come back, uh, you know, with another episode on a, on a more regular 
schedule. But uh, yeah, I have a recommendation. Right. You, you want me to go first? You want to go first? Yeah, why don't you go first? Because it ties in. I mean, we were just doing speculation and a little bit of uh, chisme. Why don't you continue with that? Okay, yeah. So when all this started to break, I'll be honest, I was sort of out of the out of, you know, I wasn't really in tune with what was going on. It's not really my space. Um, so uh, I, I think people are, some people are probably going to be like, yeah, of course, this is old news, da, da, da. But uh, the timepiece gentleman um, was arraigned, I think, uh, by FBI agents just, what is this, maybe two, three days ago here in LA in Venice Beach. When you say uh, arraigned, you mean arrested? Arrested, sorry. Yeah. He was arrested. Um, and I only really got the full story maybe about a month ago because there was a huge article in, in the LA times and it just caught my attention that they'd be writing about sort of this, you know, watch seller. Uh, he wanted to be famous. He got it. He got it. So, but I think people who were more in tune with his content and his account and what he was doing probably for years before that really knew what was going on as it was happening. So I, I think we heard people on, on pods and other places saying, Oh my God, I can't believe it's going on. Da, da, da. And I didn't really, pay too much attention to because it's just again i'm not I'm not in the world of buying you know richard mills and 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 things uh you know like that from from folks um like that but so as a sort of refresher this this guy is sort of a interesting character right with a sort of quote-unquote checkered past whatever however you want to interpret that do your own research and decide whether you think that's a fair label or not but sort of found himself in this in the watch gray market space um, and really quickly developed a huge following. Um, I want to say he was from Texas, maybe Dallas at first, relocated to LA at some point to maybe grow the business. But I think he got super popular on his content too, because he was living this lavish lifestyle that was supposed to, you know, represent how successful he was in selling watches. And, and of course, you know, all the usual suspects and on the Rolex side of things, but then, you know, the RMs and, you know, high end and, and exclusive APs and just all the stuff that you would kind of expect from a flashy watch gray market kind of person. Right. But I think he was getting tons of traction. Yeah. I, I was about to say we could coin a new term, but like the horror douche kind of <laughs> lifestyle. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, that could stick. I think it's got, that's got legs. Uh, so again, so this is all happening. I guess he moves out to LA, gets this huge ass penthouse in downtown, you know, storefronts, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden he he just vanishes. And I think this is what set off, I think, you know, a lot of coverage when it happened, I think, which was actually over the summer, maybe. Just sort of disappears, right? Goes goes dark. People are speculating, is this a, a you know, a publicity right, stunt? A stunt? Yeah, exactly. Is he did he take off? He also consigns watches, right? So people were like, hey, I haven't heard from this guy. Let's fast forward all the way. You're not surprised to learn that he goes dark because he's basically stolen the money. And the latest, you know, basically when he got arrested a couple of days ago, they have the number at $3 million, right? So he basically defrauded people in, in about $3 million. And if you read through the Times article, which was a really detailed sort of accounting and, and, sort, and, and background on him, he was taking in people's uh, watches basically spending the money on his own lifestyle to sort of build up his, his, well, probably to enjoy it too, but you know, as he'll say to sort of build up this, this reputation. And, uh, and then he was, you know, having to rob Peter to pay Paul when time to came to, to, to pay out on, on consignments and other stuff. So all of a sudden, you know, he gets, I guess, you know, starts to get investigated and 
people are saying, Hey, you know, I haven't heard from you in weeks or whatever. you said you sold my watch. It's not on your site anymore. Well, where's my watch or where's my money? And he said, I have neither of them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's literally, you know, musical chairs kind of Ponzi scheme style. You know, he's hundred percent as I understand it. I mean, he's taking in X number of watches on consignment, selling some portion of those, probably a pretty good portion at first, uh, essentially pocketing the money. Like you said, you know, it costs money to, to live that flashy, you know, YouTube sensation lifestyle, um, with the cars and the watches and, the the drinks and travel and his little entourage and, and women and whatever. And, uh, yeah, essentially he's keeping the money and he's counting on new consignments to sell, to pay for the consignments that he sold yesterday the money with, you know, that he's already absconded with and it's just a cycle. So yeah, at some point the music stops and you know, he, he doesn't have a chair. That's exactly right. So I, you know, to be really honest, if he, if he didn't end up in LA and it didn't end up in the times, I don't know if I really would have gone through the effort of learning what happened. I mean, it's relatively interesting, of course. Um, but then when you dig into it, you're like, wow, that, that would suck. That would really suck. You know, if you, this big successful sort of watch personality and you wanted to, you know, move a few watches or, and all of a sudden you're sort of, you know, caught, you know, with your, your pockets empty and your wrist, uh, uh, with nothing on it and, and you have nothing to show. Um, that would be a huge bummer. So anyway, there's a huge article in the times. It was in October, early October. And then I think news broke just over the weekend or something. Some couple of our friends were sharing it back and forth that he had been arrested in Venice beach. So, uh, his day of reckoning seems to be very quickly approaching. Yeah, cue the the Nelson Muntz sound effect. Ha ha. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, check it out. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll post a link to the Times or something because it has a good, you know, really detailed look into it. And the, the stuff that's coming out now is sort of just more perfunctory. And hey, this guy was arrested. Here's what they think. Da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Just a basically now he's a, a statistic in the crime blotter. Yeah, which everyone was probably expecting, but the uh, I guess the uh, the other shoe has hit the floor. That's right. Well, that's a, a pretty good recommendation because it certainly is. Um, it's both timely, and it seems like it is probably the literally the like the last nail in the the coffin of that story. Yep. You know, until this dude is actually you know tried and and presumably convicted, only because he said so much that's incriminating. You know, in public. I mean it. It could very well, all of this is alleged, right? Um, legally, we would say that. But I mean, it it seems like, you know, there's a, a mountain of uh, evidence, information, whatever. Anyhow, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah. if assuming got, it's man? true, and I think it might be, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, I guess. <laughs> right, right. Yep. What's your recommendation for the week? Well, dude, so as you know, we've been joking around um, at the beginning of the and prior to coming on, but I've got the Spooner shirt on, right? I've got the the Magnum PI watch. I've got the Pineapple Dream watch. And, you know, I, I think I had a post the other day where it was kind of like, you know, I started a year or so ago, um, you know, posting my, you know, uh, uh, kind of mandatory weekend in the backyard you know, recap picture, you know, and it was typically me with like a vintage airline t-shirt or something like that, you know, with the, the Matt Hranick, um, you know, TM meat pick. And over time that kind of morphed, you know, while I'd be out there, uh, you know, having a beer or whatever, I started drinking the occasional kind of, 
tropical cocktail. So I got a, a Hawaiian shirt and then another, and, you know, maybe another, and it just <laughs> became, you know, part of the shtick. Well, you know, started leaning into it a little bit more with the whole Magnum PI thing. And cause that's, I mean, that's a genuine area of enthusiasm for me. And, you know, before long, um, I'm just all about it. Right. So we went to Hawaii and I'm all into the tiki stuff. So I have, this as my recommendation. I don't know if you can see this, but this is a, Basically, this is what amounts to a cocktail recipe book, but it's a lot more. So the the title of the book is Smuggler's Cove, Exotic Cocktails, Rum, and the Cult of Tiki. And this is this is a pretty sizable book with a lot it of great is. information. So if you're just- Hardcover you, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just want to use it as a, a fun source of unusual riffs on a variety of uh, like tropical kind of island-based you know, whether it's Caribbean, Tahiti, Hawaii, Australia, whatever, um, cocktails, you've got that. It's a great resource, but it's also talking kind of about the, there's a a decent history lesson wrapped up in here. There's a lot of, you know, plain text kind of prose about the history of, you know, the, the great tiki bars. It it tells you, you know, how does Trader Vic's get his start? How does Don the Beachcomber get his start? That's a, a, a famous establishment here in Los Angeles, going back to like the twenties and thirties and, you know, everything from the vibe, the music, the decor, and it, it breaks down all of that, like how to create the aesthetic in your house, that sort of thing. And it's got, you know, all these pictures on decor. There's even a thing on like- How's the photography? uh, It's quite good. It's quite good. Um, good, I think I like it because I think a lot of the, the film and stuff are some of the, the filters and the stuff that I do on the pictures that I take, you know, to make things look, you know, kind of older, you know, vintage sixties, seventies. And, you know, there's even like a a bit of, on the psychology of, you know, pursuing like the, the Tiki vibe in a marriage, make sure, you know, there's an admonition pretty strong, like make sure both partners are down because, you know, this is very much like a, a deep niche sort of aesthetic and lifestyle. And if, if one person isn't on board, you know, you can, you can have pressure in a marriage. It's all of that stuff. So anyway, it's a, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of content in there and it's one of those things that just ends up being like fun to spend, you know, five or 10 minutes noodling over. And of course that is just, uh, how to describe it. Like, um, a, just a trove, basically, of of cool stuff. That's cool. I want to flip through that sometime next time we we link up. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm getting some uh, just another flurry of text messages here. Well, dude, I think that should probably do it for us, man. We're gonna scrape by. I think just under an hour, which is not something we do very often. We're streamlined today, baby. We got stuff going on still. Uh, still Friday for us, so getting ready for weekend, you know, activities and, and still have things on our to-do list, but, uh, it's fun to, to get back together on, uh, on this and we're back on the wagon, man. Okay. Well, dude, I, uh, I think I have a developing an emergency, so I've got to get out there and see what's going on, dude. With that, I will talk to you later. See you. See ya. Bye. Okay. So this is Matt solo, just doing a quick, uh, kind of an ad hoc addendum to the main body of the podcast. If you made it this far and were wondering why I sounded distracted and basically in a hurry to finish up at the last maybe two minutes or so, it's because I'd realized that I'd had an exterior pipe burst and I could look out the window and see what was going on and was just like, okay, we got to wrap this up. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Anyway, sorry about that. We'll do better next time. 
Thank you again, as always, for listening. Remember, drink curiously. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at spiritoftimepodcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.